And now, this is the DDT Wrestling Podcast with DC Matthews and Doc Manson. Oh, Doc Manson. At Doc Manson. I love you so. Well, thank you, Canyon. I love you too. Oh, oh, Butte. DC Matthews. Oh, Butte. Uh, yeah. It's I'm been awfully, a week. I'm awfully fond of you. It has been a uh, a week, a week, a week. I don't understand how it's not the weekend. Well, we'll be short shortly, I suppose. I suppose. Do you, as a window washing fanatic, uh, have to wash any windows on Mondays? On Mondays in general, or this particular coming up Monday? This particular Monday coming up. I, I will be washing no windows this Monday, thankfully. But will you be teaching, I suppose? Yeah, no, I will be. Uh, I will not be teaching on Monday. We get the Martin Luther King holiday off. Some holidays they try to get us to work through. Veterans Day has been the most recent one. They insist there be a school so that the kids can learn about the importance of Veterans Day. Um, that does not seem to be the case for Dr. King. Okay. Interestingly right. enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a week. The besties, the besties are aware of a family member uh, currently on a ventilator. She, uh, she got the, the dreaded COVID. Uh, she had to be taken by a helicopter from one hospital to another to be put <laughs> on said ventilator. Uh, today, she seems to be making progress, slow progress, but slight improvements. Um, but she is still not breathing on her own. Um, uh. So, you know, that's been fun. So I've been checking in with my parents quite a bit, just making sure they're okay. It's my dad's uh, older sister uh, who did not believe in COVID and chose not to get vaccinated because she gets all of her news from YouTube, which I don't know if you know this, Doc Manson, is not a reputable source for news. Is it not now? All right. Well, okay. All right. Okay. Um, But, okay. Well, I am still sorry to hear that. I'm glad that it, you know, things are at the moment at least somewhat improving. I don't know if you said that, but you you told me that. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, it is it better than it was yesterday? Yes. Do I But think, it is a day-to-day thing, right? Yeah, do I think yeah. it's going to, you know, magically uh fix itself? I don't know. Um yeah. from what I have read the, the longer you are on a, a ventilator, the more potential problems you can have. So how long has she been on a ventilator? Uh, three to four days at this point now. I believe that happened. You know, in the of, scheme of things, I don't think that's particularly long as of yet. But. No, no, no. There have been people who have been on it for weeks, but the, the yeah. question becomes, you know, at what point are you on a ventilator in the hopes that you make progress versus you're on a ventilator because um, they want to keep you alive just for other reasons. I mean, the doctors will let you know 
if that doesn't seem like there's a good possibility yeah. of turning around. Yeah. Um, I, and according to my parents, they keep getting mixed signals. They talk to one doctor who says, yeah, this doesn't look good. Um, I would prepare for the worst. And then they talk to another doctor, you know, sometimes even the same day who's like, well, this was a positive sign and this was a positive sign. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I imagine that there are some people who try to prepare, you know, the family for uh, the worst. And there are probably others who try to keep a bit of hope and optimism um, yes. injected into the situation. So, you know. I think that's I think that's entirely it. I think it just depends on who they're talking to at any given time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's been it's been a little rough uh, as one would expect. Um, so yeah, so I've been trying to be extra supportive for the family and then try to do you know all the usual stuff. And I believe I met this aunt. Is this the aunt? Uh, at your wedding, that um, the swing? No, no. Okay, no. Although, wouldn't it sound like that one? I have another one who's probably you know gets her news from similar places. But no, this is not. Oh, okay, this is not the uh, the aunt who went at you know at our wedding. We got married at the the summer camp I grew up in, and there is a giant swing. It's just a big swing on this big tree that goes off of a hill. So you can get very high up in the air. Um, And she, that was, that was her favorite part of the wedding. I think, I don't think she cared about the ceremony. I think she just liked the fact that there was a swing. This is not, this is not that aunt, but again, they, they would have gotten, they would have gotten. That is the aunt that made an impression on me. Oh yeah. Um, So that, I don't know that I remember the other. No. Aunts, the, unfortunately. The, the aunt I am the, that is in the hospital right now is the aunt who we had to make sure she knew there was no karaoke available at the wedding. She was not going to be able to convince the DJ to let her sing. Hmm. What are you, what are you eating? Let's, let's, let's focus. Let's focus on the important things here. Is that an Oreo cheesecake? That's what it this looks like. Oreo cheesecake. Homemade. Using our instant pot. You can make cheesecake in an instant pot? Oh, yes. It makes it much easier to cook it all the way through. Interesting. Um, Tell me about this instant pot. Uh, Are you worried that you will, and forgive me if I've asked this already, are you worried that you will blow up the house? Isn't it a giant pressure cooker? Yeah, I mean, it's not giant, but it is a pressure cooker. Um, But, you know, the the, the key thing about the instant pot is it's a pressure cooker that was made easy enough for the average idiot to figure it out. Um, and I consider myself an average idiot in that statement, right? Um, it, you know, it's got a top that locks, and it's got uh, this button that you can press to jettison out the steam to depressurize, you know? So, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's user-friendly, I would say. And... Um, you know, Mrs. Manson can certainly tell you more about the using it than I can, hmm. but I certainly do enjoy the various things that can be made in an instant pot. Well, first things first, you are clearly, clearly an above average idiot. Thank you. 
Uh, I think. How long? You might not know the answer to this, but how long does it take to make a cheesecake in the Instant Pot? I believe the whole idea is it, it condenses the cook time so that it, it's less. Depending it takes, on what you're cooking, yes. This, I think, took about, I want to say, I'm not 100% sure. Again, this is Mance, we know everything. I think the recipe said like 37 minutes, but that was not enough time. Like it needed more time. And like people in the comments had mentioned that as well. Mm-hmm. And when it was first pulled out, yeah, it was a jiggly mess. I had to go back in for, I don't know, maybe additional 15 minutes or something like that. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a nice, wet, moist heat. Um, very good for cooking certain things. Um, one of the wonderful things about it is you can cook things that haven't been defrosted, like, you know, like chicken thighs that are still frozen straight from the uh, freezer, go right into there. And they cook relatively quickly. Yeah. I'm glad to hear it. That's not, you know, we got into the air fryer. We have two of those. I have mentioned the Instant Pot, but we have not. We have not dove into that particular area yet. So we got the Instant Pot, and then we got the air fryer lid for the Instant Pot. Oh. So two devices sort of in one. Well, that's kind of it. We have, you know, kitchen counter space is a premium in our uh, little apartment here. And so, you know, having two air fryers and a toaster is already now granted one of them we have now moved. And then we have crock pots that we pull out. So do you not use like a regular slow cooker anymore? Or do you still have a crock? So the idea was that we would probably replace the crock pot, right? But we actually just made uh, something in the crock pot two days ago. Um, it kind of served different purposes. You can make a lot of the same things in the Instant Pot as you can in a, in a crock pot. But sometimes, I don't know, like if, if you don't have to get it done in 40 minutes and, and you can let it just steep all day and its own juices and yeah i don't know i don't know if there was a real particular specific reason i should say why uh the crock pot came out the other night but mm. we're still using both now is this dessert before dinner or have you eaten dinner already at 4 45 p.m yeah so i am following the uh canyon <clears throat> matthews uh dinner schedule i have eaten the early bird uh special and I'm getting ready now uh, to go to bed at 7.30 p.m. I was going to say, that's it. After the podcast, you must immediately go to sleep, which uh, honestly, at least 50% of the time I move from our podcast, especially when we were recording, well, definitely with GQ when we were recording at 7 uh, p.m. Yeah. But, um, you know, I will often at least move towards the bed. Yeah, so. fair enough. So, no, I, I did have dinner. That was a, um, um, a um, uh, that was a shepherd's pie. Lamb? Was, no. Do you make your shepherd's pie with lamb? I believe all shepherd's pies, if we want to be like uh, nitpicky jackass technical, I believe all shepherd's pies are made with lamb. If you make it with beef, I believe then it is called a cottage pie. And I'm only doing that for the UK folk who I think this is more of their scene. Well, I just looked up shepherd's pie and the very first recipe that comes up. Of course. Says ground beef. So let's check yeah. the second recipe. Well, but the, the whole idea, it's a shepherd's pie. That's ground it's not beef. A cow herd. It's not a cow herd's pie is ground beef. The fourth recipe is All right. You lamb. look up the recipes. I'm I'm the just going to ask Glenn. The fifth is ground beef. The sixth 
is where's the meat lamb or beef the seventh recipe is lamb or ground beef the eighth recipe okay how many recipes do they find? Is this what we're doing? This I mean, show? there's at least a thousand recipes. Here. I know. Um, so, uh, so far, I would say the vast majority of these shepherd's pie recipes either have ground beef in them or they say that you can do both. Only one of them out of the eight that we looked at required lamb. So you can eat my butthole, <laughs> Canyon Matthews. Is it made of lamb? Um, no. <laughs> I'll get um, some. So no, we had ground beef. <clears throat> All right, I think that's so what fair. Was the name of that other th- what was co- the other pie? Cottage pie. Cottage pie. I've never heard that before. Okay. I have, cool. I have gone to the bestie chat and I have inquired UK folks what is the difference between shepherd's pie and cottage pie. If Glenn is awake and he responded a few minutes ago, so I'm assuming so, or Che for that matter. Uh, let's presume uh, that. Oh, Glenn's responding. Good old Glenn. I knew we could count on him. This um, recipe says ground beef. Or turkey, lamb, or sausage, or any combination of the above. Would you ever eat a fish pie? I mean, that's kind of like that thing that Mrs. Manson had when we were on vacation, right? Just, so I guess so. The combination of, and this is just my American palate, fish, uh, a cheese sauce, and then hard-boiled eggs on top. That combination to me seems a bit much. It's the cheese sauce that I think does it for me. Fish and eggs then? Fish and eggs are okay? It's not something I would, you know, naturally gravitate towards, but I could see it working depending. Yeah. But what was in, what were the veg? Potatoes? Well, obviously the mash on top, right? Yeah. And then there was uh, corn and peas and carrots and onions. I think that was it. That's good. And again, homemade. Does your wife buy anything store-bought anymore, or is she just all homemade, especially now that she is working from home a good portion of the time? We don't home-make pasta um, or anything like that. Are you making your own marinara sauce or are you buying cans? Well, we buy jars? bottles of that jars. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we started doing a crushed tomato. It's literally just crushed tomatoes, a little bit of salt and olive oil. And I refuse to open the prego can anymore or the jar rather. Okay. I'm just, it's, I, I find I'm not a tomato sauce fan. Usually I find it way better than, uh, than a, a canned sauce, but that's just me. We have some sort of bottled sauce that we get that we found years ago. I don't, I don't remember what it is. Maybe Rinaldi's or something mm-hmm. like that. And they have one that has no added salt that actually does not have a lot of salt in it. Okay. Because I try to avoid salt in a lot of what we make. Um, and so we usually get that. And then Mrs. Manson is known to doctor it up with, you know, our own herbs Oh, okay. spices. That's fair. Um, All right. So you're taking a you're taking a base sauce and and yeah, but but That's I fair. mean it wouldn't take much probably to make the transition as you have, but is is the reason why you're avoiding salt is it health-wise, is it taste-wise, is it It's because 
the males on the father's side of my family all have major heart attacks by the time they're 60 years old. So um, why tempt fate? Fair enough. Especially since you, I'm, you, you know, not exactly not, the fittest person in my family. <laughs> do you not? Do you put a salt shaker on your table? No. Wow. Good for you. I don't think I use a salt. The only thing I use a salt shaker for is if I'm having a sandwich and I've got some tomato, I will sprinkle a little bit of salt and pepper on the tomato. That's fair. But otherwise, not really anything. Like, I don't put it on. When I was growing up, like, you know, my mom would slice a cucumber to have with dinner, mm-hmm. and there'd be salt to salt the cucumber yes. slices. Now we're talking. Um, we have, talking. we'd have, uh, you know, corn on the cob. And, of course, you slather that in butter and additional salt from the shaker and eat that. Um, I don't do any of that anymore. My steamed vegetables, I have steamed, no salt on anything. Um, corn on the cob, I eat no butter, no salt, just mm-hmm. the corn. Like, it's amazing to me how flavorful and tasty a lot of vegetables are. And I and I I, I never knew that previously because I they always just tasted yep. of butter and salt. <laughs> That's the whole um, you know, Pendulette of Penn and Teller, member of the congregation that listens to his podcast. Um, when he started, he lost over a hundred pounds and he went on that mono diet where for two weeks he only ate potatoes. Okay. And you reset your taste buds because it's remarkable how when you, you know, stop adding salt and fat and sugar and all of that to things, um, miraculously, like you said, all of a sudden you're like, oh, corn on the cob has a very intricate flavor profile that you don't notice if you're just slathering it in butter and sugar. Corn on the cob is delicious. It's so good. This corn um, has this like natural sweetness yep. that is, it's, it's delicious. Yep. Never would have known that from growing up. And then, you know, having been a serious, serious diet cokehead for a very long time, as you well know. Oh, I know. Um, <laughs> when you stop drinking it and then you have one, you're like, I can't blink. That is the sweetest thing I've ever tasted in my life. And, you know, I'm like, how did I drink? six of these a day so, yeah. yeah yeah it's crazy how that works how often do you think about the fact that we are rapidly approaching 40 years old i mean since you've brought it up now twice <laughs> in at least the last three podcasts uh way more frequently than ever before yeah i i it's something hit me and i'm not mad about it i just really think it's interesting yeah, um, I don't know. I don't think about it very much, to be honest. Um, what do you think your midlife crisis is going to be? Or do you think you've already hit it? I mean, I had the realization the other day, and maybe I mentioned this to you. I don't know if I did or not on this show. Um, that perhaps my midlife crisis is happening now. I mean, I, I did buy a Mustang yeah, but not in the same way that other people bought a Mustang. And yeah, you went, I know. you went through you went through painstaking detail to tell me why it was the fiscally responsible thing for you to do. But don't you think you everybody that does that? <laughs> Maybe, but again, you're not. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I don't think you're like you're driving like the sportiest car. No, it's world. not at all. I just I had this realization because, like, I. People at work, like people I barely know, but I know, 
would like come up to me in the hallway and be like, I heard you got a Mustang. Congratulations. Like they would say it like, like I had just had a child. Did I say that? Have I told you this yet? Maybe I was talking no, to Mrs. You Manson. Have not. Yeah. Like people just come up to you and they're like, I heard you got a Mustang. Congratulations. Like they want to like shake your hand practically. And I'm just like the first couple of times, like I was just like, <laughs> Oh God, do people think I'm having a midlife crisis? Like, I don't think they understand, like, because that's just the word that goes around. Like, they don't understand that it's an electric vehicle or the reasons why I did it. They just hear Mustang and and that's just what they think, I guess. And so, but yeah, that that did give me a a few days when I was actively thinking, oh God, do people like think I'm having a midlife crisis? No, I would, I would say if you're having a midlife crisis, it's the fact that as far as I know, you're accepting every job offer that you're getting. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> are you, are you agreeing? Shall I assume? I don't remember what we talked about on the air and what we talked about off the air, but what did I talk uh, to you about last week? Did you add another job to your yes. list? Of course did I tell you, did. you about this of job? Course, yes. And you said, I don't, I don't think I want to take it. You asked me about it. Which job were, was this? Was it the summer job or the, yeah, the summer job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, you were I like, it. you were like, I don't want to do it, but I think I'm going to say yes. And I went, of course, you're going to say yes. You're not, yeah. you, you're not, you're not able to say anything other than yes. And of course you said yes. I did say yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm going to work I'm four or five jobs. That's your, that's your midlife crisis right now that I can tell is I'm going to work four or five jobs and just never sleep or enjoy life again. You know, who needs to enjoy life? You do. Do I? Yes. Do I DC? Yes. You need to quit most of these extra jobs and just spend your time. We need to start a podcast. That's just us talking about Markiplier videos. That's what this. All right. Cause that's what that's the market. People want to, they want to hear about two 39 year old guys talking about a YouTube video game player. Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, some shows like uh, talking dead are, are very popular. There does seem to be this subculture of shows about people talking about, shows this why is, shouldn't we be the this podcast is Markiplier? talk applier i'm yeah i bet i bet i bet markiplier would be uh would be very pleased to know that there was a show dedicated to him and his bullshit inanity as long as he's getting money from it sure yeah now how do we get money from it <laughs> we're, we're not getting money from podcasts it's not gonna happen there's just damn it this how is did, your this is your one hobby this is it <laughs> 90 yeah. minutes, 90 minutes a week. You're allowed to do something that doesn't make you money. Well, you do have to money. Af- you do have to afford that mustache. I do. It's so expensive. <sighs> uh, I'm trying to think if there is any interesting wrestling news to talk about. Uh, I've got very little. I guess the Royal Rumble's coming up. You gotten any more excited about that? When is that? The 29th, so okay. still like two or three, two, two and a half weeks away. Yeah, GQ texted me and said, because he must have listened to the show and said, oh, I'd come over for the Rumble. And I so I, I guess I guess I'm going to watch it. Maybe hey, if he actually comes. I'm telling you, Lesnar versus Lashley should be good. Good Hoss fight. Roman Reigns versus Seth freaking Rollins, because that's his name now. It's not just Seth Rollins. It's Seth, quote, freaking, quote, Rollins or freaking? Is it freaking or freaking? It's freaking or okay. freaking. F R E A K I N. Freaking. Is there an apostrophe after the end? 
I'm assuming so. Not on Wikipedia, but hmm. we get Becky Lynch versus Dewdrop. Yeah, okay. Uh, Edge and Beth Phoenix are wrestling The Miz and Maurice. That will be terrible for 25% of the participants in that match. You know, and then we've got the, the Rumbles. Uh, you're going to get to see the Bella Twins again because I know you want to. I don't. Uh, Wait, what GQ, are they doing? They're going to be in the Rumble. Because the women's division in WWE does not have 30 people. So we're getting the Bella Twins. GQ is going to be excited because lovely Lita will be in the Rumble. Michelle McCool, Kelly Kelly, Summer Rae. And the actual interesting news about this is Mickey James. Yeah, I actually think that's the biggest mistake that they've made. Why really? the hell wouldn't you keep that as a surprise entrant? And then have the internet go buck wild with the possibilities of what that means when she comes to the ring. Like, I would think that you would want that to be a surprise. No, you want that because the internet went buck wild when they announced it. And then it'll go buck wild again, maybe slightly less so. Definitely less so. Because now people are going to be thinking, well, who else is going to come? No, you know, if if we're if we're allowing if we're breaking down the forbidden door and we are allowing, uh, you know, people from other companies to show up, is Chris Jericho going to be in the rumble? No, is is, you know, is Moose going to be in the rumble? Are we uh, getting big nope. cast back nope. in the rumble? We're not. No. Will Britt Baker be in the rumble? Nope. I I could see maybe one other name, but I'm guessing it would not be like I'm thinking, you know, a guy like Jonathan Gresham, who's the current Ring of Honor champion, because that promotion is essentially dead. You could do that and you could have a guy who's five foot four show up and try to win the Royal Rumble. That'd be crazy. Uh, So I'm looking forward to it. You know, I want to see Johnny Knoxville win. I want to see him go to WrestleMania. That'd be great. Yeah, it'd be great. So that's coming up. I, you know, I have not been paying attention to the wrestling world of late for obvious reasons. So I'm, I can't tell you if anything else interesting has happened. AEW was a thing. There's an interim TNT champion. Because Cody Rhodes is hurt, I think. So now there's an interim champion. I don't know what that's about. What does that even mean? No one seems to know. (laughs) All Um, right. I don't know if it's going to mean that when Cody comes back, the belt goes back to him. Will they have to have another match? What if the interim champion loses the belt? Then I assume there would be another interim champion. And then when Cody comes back, has he lost the belt? So I'm like, did he get, did he give it to this guy to defend in his stead? And that makes him the interim champion. Or is this like a separate lineage of belt? Let's, let's look it up. Like is Cody still the champion? This guy's the interim champion. And when they come back, they're going to have to have a unification match. Or does it just revert back to Cody? That's what I'm thinking. So let's see. Cody won it in December. Cody Rhodes was originally scheduled to defend the title at battle of the belts, but was pulled Due to uh, COVID, Sammy Guevara was then scheduled to face Dustin Rhodes to determine the interim TNT champion, and Sammy won. 
So I would guess that that means that they'd have to have another match between the two of them. Because that's, you know, when Shawn Michaels got suspended while being Intercontinental Champion, Razor Ramon then became the champion. And when Shawn Michaels came back, he still had his belt and said he was the champion. And that led to a ladder match. I'm pretty sure that's how the story goes. So, you know, maybe that's where we're going. We'll eventually get Cody versus Sammy Guadalajara in a uh, ladder match of some kind, which I'm sure some people would be interested in. Yeah, the one who, okay. the one who, if you believe the rumors, uh, divorced his wife to get together with Tay Conti from also from AEW. Whatever. I mean, at least he uh, divorced his wife and went through the proper channel instead of just being a cheating scumbag. I suppose that's true. Actually, I suppose that is true. That's a fair point. But yeah, I got nothing else in terms of the uh, wrestling news, unless you have something you would like to bring up. In the wrestling world. The wrestling world. Hmm. Nope. Can't think of anything. Sorry. <laughs> Are you... Uh, there was a game that you watched Markiplier play that you were thinking of getting yourself. Was it The House? Have you played The House? Yeah, I think it's just called House. I don't think there's a the, but either way. Um, All right. I've played uh, about 30 seconds of it. Yes. Oh, there's a... I'm looking at what's going on with Markiplier. There's a game called Inscription. Happy yeah. Game. Mm-hmm. GTFO with Bob, Sean, and Wade. I'll probably watch that. I enjoy when they all get together. I don't know what yeah. GTFO is. I assume I know what G, I know what it stands for, but I don't know what kind of game it is. It's like a Left 4 Dead style game, cooperative, okay. first-person shooter, although it's way more hardcore. I think like the difficulty level is much more difficult for that particular game. Like I a think Dark like Souls style difficulty? I don't think it's that hard, but yeah, I do think it really is punishing if you're not like playing proper teamwork and you're not, and if you're playing on the higher difficulties, I think. I think you, I think you play like a team you know, soldiers like usual. And I think like the threat here is aliens, maybe as opposed to zombies. I don't know. I haven't really watched much of it, but I did watch the three of them play a game called a couple of games. I think I'm confused because the names were very similar. I think one was called sign of silence and the other one was called in silence. They were sort of all clustered together in his playlist of scary games, and they were both multiplayer games. And anyways, I enjoyed watching those mostly, but man, those other guys can be real yelly. Uh, I do. I I still have difficulty with all of them on the streams playing together. I don't I don't think it's as enjoyable as just watching Markiplier do his thing. Um, He's a much more. um, I guess oddly enough a much more calming sort of presence even though he he has that like low register so hello everyone my name is markiplier and welcome to yeah yeah and it's kind it's kind of he's always playing these scary games so i really wouldn't say like it's like relaxing but like his presentation of it yes i also find it difficult when you can't see the other people's faces so like when you're you know i enjoy when he plays with bob and wade but when you can only see him and then they scream. You're like, what? Like I want to, I think they have some people who have tried to pull 
like all three of their Twitch streams so you can see all three cameras, but that just... I just feel like the other two guys, and maybe I'm being unfair because maybe it's only one of them in particular, and I still can't tell them apart, Bob and Wade, really. Um, I just feel like it becomes this mess of them yelling over each other, mm-hmm. and it's just like unintelligible in a way that's not entertaining. Um, well, I think there is a reason why. Let's see here. Uh, oh, let me mute that. Let's see. Wade has almost 2 million subscribers on his YouTube channel. Uh, Bob has almost 1 million on his YouTube channel. Markiplier has 31.4 million. Yeah. Um, I think there's a reason for that. I will say I do rather enjoy Distractable. I've been re- mm-hmm. I have been listening to a few more episodes of that. Um, yeah. And I, so I'm starting to get a feel for the other two. And I like them well enough on that show. But in the streams, again, it's just yelly nonsense. Yeah. So well, and once I add Sean, who is Jack Septicai, who is another popular YouTuber. Mm. So you're going to now you're going to get another person yelling and screaming. He just happens to have an Irish accent because he's Irish. Okay. So. All right. Have you checked out his Choose Your Own Adventure heist with Markiplier? No, I haven't bothered. YouTube original doesn't really interest me at all. You were talking about the the video games before, and I am sure I've asked you this, but I'm just, I'll ask you again, because why the hell not? How much difficulty are you hoping for? What's your ideal level of difficulty in a video game? My ideal level of difficulty is to never die and to go from the beginning to the end of the story uh, with as little uh, need for skill as possible. I mostly play games to experience the narrative. Yes. Uh, That's why I go for cheat codes, because I I can enjoy the story of Skyrim without worrying if I have enough potions of healing. And I'm not a particularly uh, skillful gamer in a lot of genres. So, um, yeah, when I die a bunch... I get more frustrated than anything else Mm -hmm. and don't like it. Which is what made, as you said, Hades such an incredible mechanic is the fact that dying is part of the story. Yeah. Hades was terrific for precisely that reason. Yeah. I'm hoping we get more games like that because that would make things more uh, entertaining, I think, for me, if, you know, the dying is part of it. It's not like, you know, you watch Grand Theft Auto, you die and you just show up at a hospital. And I'm like that okay the thing i hate about grand theft auto and admittedly i haven't really played a grand theft auto since vice city probably mm-hmm. um is i would hate being like three quarters of the way through a mission and then dying and then you die and yes you show up at a hospital but now you're just in the regular world and now you've got to get to the mission start again yeah. and you've got to go through the mission again like Games that don't respect my time are the thing that pissed me off the most. Like if I don't really care if I die, if like my checkpoint is 30 seconds ago. Sure. Um, but if I have to like really like spend some time, like just getting back to where I was, that's going to turn me off so damn fast. But I feel like you've talked about games before that you've played where they didn't have a checkpoint. So you did have to start all the way over again. And I know Hades is kind of sort of one of them. Yeah. Um, so the, that's a whole genre of games. Like Dead Cells is another one, right? It, it's that's, a uh, 
It's a roguelite game where you have a run and when you die, you start over. Yes. But the thing with these games is just like Hades, each run is its own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And usually they're randomized to some extent extent. So like the point is the run. The point is not to get back to where you were. The point is to do as well as you can on the run that you're on with what you have. You know what I mean? So like it's different than a traditional game where there's a set narrative is those both of those games? Well, I will say Hades has more of a linear narrative, but Dead Cells, I, I think, very much has a non-linear narrative. There's a story being told there, but a lot of it's in the background, and you might not, might not necessarily be hit over the head with it. Um, so I don't know. I I am Enigma wrapped in a mystery. What can I tell you, yeah. Canyon? I don't know. No, I think. <laughs> You really stick into this Canyon thing. Indeed. Would you like me to just drop the G- DC and change my name to Canyon Matthews? I like to think that your name is Durango Canyon Matthews. Canyon for short, but I have been watching um, 2002. Now I'm into 2002 uh, WWF and edge has his, my Durango theme music. And every time <laughs> I hear it, I sing it like nerd DC. Oh, well, my Durango. No, actually, no, I sing it like I'm a member of the, Oh God, what's the name of the band that sings love shack. I'm losing. I'm lost. Uh, B 52s. Yeah. Well, my Durango number 95. Love it. <laughs> love it. Uh, so, so good. Durango Canyon math. Oh, absolutely. That couldn't be anything else at this point. Exactly. Couldn't have anything else. All right. Uh, I'm assuming, before we get to the emails, I am presuming and assuming that you have not yet seen The Eternals, nor do you, will you probably ever see The Eternals on uh, Disney+. Plus. I have no desire to watch The Eternals, and I doubt that I shall. That's fine. How, have you watched it? Uh, my wife, because things have been tricky... She decided to plan a a little night for me earlier this week. Uh, we ordered pizza and watched The Eternals. Uh, it was better than I thought. And if you watch the the pitch meeting for it, uh, they mentioned multiple times that it probably should have been one of the Disney Plus series. So like yeah. eight hours rather than two hours. And they're absolutely right. They crammed so much into so little time that I'm like, no wonder. And, you know, while the actors are big names, like it's not like when they did Guardians and they were like, hey, we got Chris Pratt right out of Parks and Rec to come be a superhero. It's like, do you like Salma Hayek? How many of you kids know who Salma Hayek is? Well, she's in the movie. It's been a long time since she was relevant. Yeah. So it's one of those, you know, I understand why it didn't do well. I hope they make another one. Because I'm invested enough, but uh, I yeah, hope that I they say, uh, rehire Robert Downey Jr. and start making some good movies again that I'll you know go and watch. People said Spider Man was good. I'm sure it was. Hawkeye was an entertaining show. No, if you wanted to watch that, I have not yet do- dove into the book of Boba Fett. I'm sure I'll get to that at some point. I never even watched season two of The Mandalorian. I liked season one, but I never bothered watching the rest of it. I don't That's know why. Now you're too busy watching Markiplier. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you watch Markiplier videos 
on your TV with the surround sound or do you watch it up on your computer? Both. Plenty of I could, pl- I'm watching plenty of them in the living room though, and I, I'm pretty sure Mrs. Manson hates Markiplier at this point. But. I'm I'm also pretty sure I would have trouble listening to Bob and Wade screaming with a giant sound bar and surround sound. That's, yeah, yeah, they're that, irritating. Those are the videos that actually make me appreciate my dollar store headphones. <laughs> yeah, fair <laughs> enough. So. Yeah, no, I don't know. I don't. I don't. They're not. They're just not very. They're not particularly entertaining. I, I feel like. Again, I haven't actually watched them on their channels, so maybe in their own videos they're more like Don't informative. But like that's the thing about Markiplier is the thing I like about him is, and again, I'm really only watching through his scary game list. Sure, but like he has played so many of these scary games and is so desensitized to them. I, I like his commentary on things on you know because it's you know ah when I turn around there's going to be a thing there and like you know what I mean like. He's de- he is deconstructing. He's dissecting these things as he's playing them for the first time, and I find that uh, I don't intellectually, critically um, rewarding to watch somebody, somebody who is as knowledgeable and appreciative of the horror game genre as you. So you can appreciate because you. I'm sure when you also play some of these type games, you're like, "Yep, there's going to be a jump scare in three. I don't. I've said it before. I don't really play horror games. Um, I love horror movies, but I I don't know that I I don't know that I enjoy horror games that much. But when we used to go to the haunted attraction in New Hampshire, like you would walk through and you'd be like, "There's going to be something here yeah. and here, and one of these is not real." Or you know, you you are you are wise enough to see the patterns and know. Kind of the the tropes, I guess. Of so. These sorts of things. Well, thank you for believing in me, DC. Always, always. So yeah, so uh, like I enjoy him on that level. Yeah, and I, Wait, Bob and Wade don't bring any of that when they are on videos. No, on I, his I channel. Well, and I don't think I think by design, Wade especially, I think is supposed to be the dumb screaming guy. Okay. Bob is probably more of the intellectual screaming guy, but they are very clearly it's Mark and friends. Like, I think they went on tour at one point years ago (laughs) as Markiplier and friends. That's great. So, (laughs) yeah. Okay. You know, so that's like when we go, if we ever take this podcast on the tour, it will be doc and the other guy. (laughs) Now, Now, maybe, maybe, maybe. Durango Canyon Matthews can get to, can get equal billing, perhaps. I mean, that's a distinguished name. So that's what I'm saying. I wear a vest, monocle. <laughs> love it, love it. Very wax. Nice. The, grow the mustache out and wax it a little bit. I think you could pull that off. Yes. Hello, I'm Durango Canyon Matthews. Nice to meet you. Where's your accent from? I'm from everywhere. <laughs> yes. There you go. Very nice. All right. Our emails are from everywhere. At least two continents. Uh, we have one, you know, last week we were we had a bunch of emails and we were asking for more and Simon sent one. It just came in a bit too late. So get, catching him up, Simon's email, here's your eighth. Or your first. Uh, dearest DDT, I love you and the besties. That's it. That's the email from Simon sent from my heart. We love you, Simon. Yes, thank oh, you. Yes, Simon. we do. Uh, our next email comes from Mrs. Doc Manson. Career goals. Dear Doc in DC, seems it seems like most of the country is having major 
career strife, I was thinking back to simpler times. I wondered, what is a job you wanted as a kid that seems ridiculous now? Me, I wanted to be one of the ladies that did acrobatics on the back of an elephant at the circus. Really, I think I just had one too many picture books about circuses. As my father will recount, one of the times we went to see the circus, a clown scared me so much, I wet my pants. True story, not ashamed. Clowns still give me the creeps. Looking forward to hearing your answers. Hugs, Mrs. Manson. How do you feel about clowns, Pennywise notwithstanding? I'm fine with clowns. I do think they're weird. Um, yeah. But whatever. I could see them being entertaining to children. Um, and in a circus, like they've got a shtick. So like, I get it, but I do kind of think they're kind of creepy. Yeah. Yeah. I think the whole notion, you know, the big colorful wigs, the white face, the exaggerated features, the huge shoes. What is in those shoes? The fact that they all cram into a little car, tiny car, lots of clowns. How is it possible? Fourth dimension. Yeah. Um, what is a job I wanted as a kid? I remember listening to, I don't remember the album, Dangerous, maybe, like Michael Jackson's Dangerous. Okay. Probably, you know, early 90s, dancing in my, like, dining room and being like, I'm going to be the next king of pop. (laughs) You know what? So You came close. As evidenced by the cackle from Doc Manson. That is a job that I may have wanted as a kid that does, in fact, seem ridiculous now. Nerd DC, man. There was something to that. You were doing some good work there. You've got you've got uh, some, you know, there's something there. there there's a spark. Never going to stop. I'm never going to stop. I'm telling you, man, there's something to it. There's something to it. There we go. If I just start doing other people's theme music. Yeah. In the nerd DC voice. What about you? When you were, um, what, what, what did kid Doc Manson want to do? I think probably one of the first jobs that I can really remember wanting to do uh, was uh, to be a cartoonist. I was really, really into um, Calvin and Hobbes and the far yep. side and Garfield, especially Garfield um, growing up. And yeah, I think for a, that my first thing I really wanted to do was I wanted to be a cartoonist, uh, which of course is ridiculous because I cannot draw for shit. Uh, and so there you go. That just was never going to happen. You could have worked at it. I you didn't. Could have, you could. You could have grown up to be a children's book illustrator. That's true. I, maybe someday. I mean, if I work really hard. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Interesting. I would be interested to hear from the besties, either in the bestie chat or you know in a future email. Uh, what did What did kid Glenn want to be besides obviously a pro wrestler? What did kid Jeremy want to be? What did kid Brandon's want to be? So I could also see Mrs. Manson, you know, doing some acrobatics on the back of an elephant. I think, you know, I could see her wearing the sequins, but I don't know about the acrobatics. She's pretty nimble. Mm, No, she's not. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Mrs. Manson, I want you to know, I thought you were nimble. Uh, Our next email comes from Che titled Clearance. Oh, yes. I forgot about this. Evening, gents, with the news that Corey Graves has been cleared to wrestle after seven years out. Are you looking forward at the prospect of seeing him compete 
or would you rather him remain a commentator? Also, do you have any predictions on who the rumored forbidden door entrant in the men's rumble match could be all the best cha-cha-cha-cha-cha sent from my galaxy? I don't remember. I think I got into NXT after Corey Graves had already, his career had already ended. Um, so I didn't watch the savior of misbehavior as a pro wrestler. I'm excited for him if he wants to do it, but like you've got a very good gig as a commentator. You're I feel very like good at it. I feel like wrestlers, this is going to sound really bad. And I guess there's no other way to win. wrestlers are a dime a dozen. I feel like these days there's a billion people on the Indies. I mean, as evidenced by the fact that in the last year alone, the WWE fired a hundred wrestlers, something like yeah. that. 80 anyways, right? Seriously. Somewhere in between there. So yeah, I mean, as you were just kind of just saying, like, He's got a sweet gig as a commentator. He's good at it. If he were to make the transition, like I'd be happy for him and could be interesting to see once. Um, But beyond that, I don't know, man. I just, I feel like it's really hard to make your mark as a wrestling performer. And he clearly has made his mark as a commentator. So go with it. It's one of those like, Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns, Corey Graves. One of those things is not like the other. Could he pull Jerry Lawler for 15, 20 years, wrestled a handful of times a year, got into feuds with kind of, you know, I'm happy to watch him wrestle, you know, hey, get Byron Saxton out of retirement, have the two of them wrestle each other. Uh, I'm happy for him to be a part of it. It's just like I... I hope he is realistic about what his goals are. Maybe he wants to, maybe this will lead to him leaving. Maybe he'll be like, look, I could be a wrestler. And really, of like, the- so yeah, like I'm not necessarily looking forward to it, but like, if that's what he wants, like go for it, man. That's it. You do it. If he wants to pull a Daniel Bryan and think he can get a better shot in AEW or impact or a much smaller promotion where he'd be a much bigger name. Good. I think he should stick with being a commentator, wrestle, you know, four or five times a year, which maybe would be enough for him, and enjoy the fact that he's probably making quite a bit of money. Always so, a positive. But that's just me. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, and I'll stick with the prediction I made for the Forbidden Door entrant. I think it's going to be Jonathan Gresham. They they say it's going to be a big name. Jonathan Gresham is that ring of honor champion. Currently he's like five foot four. He wrestles like Daniel Bryan. He would be fun to watch. It would be a nice, you know, I don't think it's going to be an AEW guy. It's not going to be Kenny Omega. I know some, I know somebody took to, I'm sorry. What promotion is, um, Mickey James signed to, she is currently the impact knockouts champion. So she wrestles for NWA and, um, impact. Now, if you want to go and get her real-life husband, Nick Aldis, who until recently was the NWA champion for, I think, like 500 days in a row or something like that, that would make sense. Magnus from uh, TNA, you want to have Magnus show up, then that's fine. I just feel like if they're going out of their way to put Mickey James on the card and she's their knockout champion... I mean, who's their men's champion? Looks like it's Moose. Yeah. So maybe no. Moose. Maybe they go to their world tag champions and the Good Brothers come in. 
Maybe they go to the knockout world champions and the inspiration come in. I would be fine with that. Like I was looking at it going, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to bring, you're going to bring Zack Ryder back. I think Zack Ryder would be phenomenal, except of course he's not in impact. And I'm just, I'm looking at impact because what we know they did the deal. Oh, is he? Yes, he is. Matt, whatever. Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona. He just wrestled for the. I thought he was like the GCW champion or something. He's both. Okay. Yeah. So that would be a good one. I would like to see him personally. I don't think he's going to make a big splash. Like, I don't think that's as big of a get as Mickey James. I think of, I don't like, I don't know that you would save that as your, your big men's surprise is Zach Ryder. Um, Yeah. I would be pleased to see him, but I, I don't, I just don't know if that plays to the mainstream audience that way. Yeah. Maybe. Well, that's it. The issue is, I, I'm looking at AEW's men's division, and there's a lot, you know, Rhino's not going to be a big deal. Uh, Aiden English is not going to be a big deal. You want to bring in PCO, who was, you know, Jean-Pierre Lafitte. It, like, I'll be go crazy for it, because I remember watching the Quebecers as a kid, but that's not going to be a huge deal. Eric Young's not going to be a huge deal. So if they're doing a forbidden door, we're talking Japan or... AEW, maybe they can like, manage to. Why? Why do you keep going to these other companies? Like, I admittedly, I'm stuck on Impact, but that's because clearly they have a working relationship. Why do you think they have a working relationship with another company? Yeah, I don't know. They seemed there was some report I want to say where it was that WWE was much more open to working with other companies now than they had been before, and I know again from websites and scoops and news places they don't want to fill their royal rumble rosters with nxt talents okay that's what they used to do they used to have six or seven nxt people each year they supposedly they don't want to do that so the only option is you either bring back older guys but they're all wrestling for other companies kevin nash you know maybe you get adam cole to come back from AEW, I don't know. Maybe you, you know, I, we'll see. It makes it interesting. It makes me want to watch. So I'll take that. All right. Our our final email on the same topic, maybe even the same question from our bestest of the besties, Glenn, rumbling on. Hi guys. This week's mission, should you choose to accept it, is to create your own Royal Rumble match. For the sake of time, instead of 30, we'll make it a 16-person match so you each have eight picks. Instead of wrestlers, I would like you to make your picks from superheroes and horror stars. Also, for time's sake, I don't need every elimination, but like to hear top four and who your winner would be. Thoughts to you and your family, DC. I probably shouldn't have said that quite so jovially. Thoughts no. to you and your family, DC. Glenn. I... I love that Glenn comes up with these. I wish we I, sometimes I feel like we should screen these emails because I'm like, we should have done this one first. <laughs> All right. So 16 person match who each get eight picks, superheroes and horror stars. Do you would you ever want to see a superhero slash horror movie crossover? Batman versus Freddy. Um, Thor versus Jason. I guess certain right ones could make a degree of sense, but I don't think I don't think there's many of them I would want to see. No, Kane versus Jacob Goodnight. 
Yeah, pass. All right. As always, I give you the first pick. Royal Rumble, superheroes and horror stars. And when we say horror star, can we name a character or is it the actor? I'm saying the character. All right. Then I'm going to go with Ash uh, Williams from the Evil Dead trilogy, because I think Bruce Campbell in his prime uh, could have a bit of fun in a Royal Rumble match. He was plenty physical. He did lots of slapstick in those films. Um, you know, smashing plates over his head, taking pratfalls, etc. I think he could put on a good show in a rumble. So I'll go with Ash. I'll, I'll go in a similar vein and I will take uh, the Joker. Okay. Because no power, you know, Superman in a Royal Rumble is weird. The Joker has no powers, but, you know, if we're making it like a gimmick battle royal, there's no better gimmicky star. So I'll go with the Joker. All right. Okay. Um, for my next pick, hmm, ha, I'm gonna go with, I think Ray Stance from the Ghostbusters. That's a horror character, I think. I consider Ghostbusters horror. And I feel like, you know, Ray is the largest of the Ghostbusters. I feel like putting him in a pair of wrestling tights could be pretty intimidating. Um, I see him being like a Greg Valentine style um, mm-hmm. grappler. I think that could work out all right. He might be too nice for it, though, but that's okay. And, of course, you could get Venkman off to the side of the ring as the manager pulling some dirty business to help him out. I think that could work out. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with a the scariest uh, horror creature or horror star that I can remember. Uh, I'm going to go with the character of man from the people under the stairs. <laughs> okay. All right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, played by Everett McGill, who looks like a classic character slash horror movie actor. I don't know. Now I got to look him up. But yeah, I remember seeing that as a kid and being like, you want to talk about almost wetting your pants. Oh, he's from T- Twin Peaks. He was in Twin Peaks. All right. Okay. Um, Big Ed. Big Ed Hurley. Twin Peaks. Oh, I know Ed. Big Ed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's big. He's a tall guy. Um, yeah. Him in a in a you know BDSM uh-huh. sort of. Oh yeah, the whole suit. suit. Yeah. Terrifying. They really stuck with you after all these years. I can tell. I, that's when I think of the scariest thing from a horror movie. That's the one that comes to mind every single time. It's funny because that movie is very much a satire. Like, yes. Uh, so yeah, interesting. Um, I guess in the interest of having a bit of a Haas fight uh, possibility, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to grab Leatherface from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think he's the beefiest um, of the horror villains. So I'd like to see sure. that. Uh, let's see. Superheroes. Let's pick a superhero. Again, I don't want huge powers. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and take Frank Castle. I'll take the Punisher. Hmm. All right. Okay. Um. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, uh, from the superhero pool here for a second. And just because I think, you know, every Royal Rumble match does need to have someone doing some flippy dippy shit. Uh, I'm going to pick Toad. Nice. Yeah. I think Toad would be, uh, you know, he could get up on somebody's shoulders, do some flippy doop doops. Oh, yeah. Yep. Some long distance. 
Yeah, I like that. All right. His name is Toad, here. right? Toad and the Blob, right? That's what I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I considered the Blob, truthfully. I did. Yeah, I considered him first, but then I said, no, 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 Toad. Yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, anytime I can take Warwick Davis, I'm taking Warwick Davis. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'll draft Leprechaun. I don't know how well he's going to do uh, in a Rumble match, but I, I see him hiding under the ring and just <laughs> popping out. He's going to he's going to play the Hornswoggle character. Yeah, 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 and he can be Vince McMahon's son. That's fine. Perfect. Um, how many more picks do we have? We're halfway through. You got four more. All right. Um. Hmm. See, like, I'd want to pick somebody like Freddy, but at the same time, like, you take the glove off of him, and I, I just don't know that that's interesting. You can't have a glove in a wrestling match that's full of razor-sharp claws. That'd just, that'd just be murdering fools, you know what I mean? Like, that's... And then that's just a, a, a dude, so I don't know. Um, and I feel like, you know... Oh, gosh. Gosh, who else could we pick? Um... Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, just because I think I'd like to see it, I, I, I'll go ahead. And, I'll go ahead and draft Joe Bob Briggs. Um, he's another big guy. You know what I mean? I think he's like six feet tall. That Southern style thing there. I like to see him face off against a lot of these iconic characters from the films as well. So I'll, I'll take Joe Bob. Uh, I'll go ahead and draft. Um... The master of the martial arts from the Marvel Universe, Mr. Shang-Chi. You need a martial artist in there for some kicks and punches and just varying up the styles. Oh, man. I should have taken the Kung Fu priest from The Dead Alive, uh, one of Peter Jackson's early works. I kick ass for the Lord is the quote from that film. Um, But I won't take him since we already have a martial artist. Um, Let's go ahead and take Hellboy. As played by Ron Perlman, not uh, not yeah. as played by David Harbour, although he did a fine job, yeah. but even still. Uh, go ahead and get another pick. I'll be right back. Okay. My next pick will be Jason, and my next pick will be Freddy, and my next pick will be Chucky, and my next pick will be Herbert West, and my next pick will be the Critters, and my next pick will be the Gremlins, and my next pick will be Jaws. Uh, yes, the actual shark from Jaws. And my next pick will be what is that? Uh, I got a food delivery. Yeah, what is I it? Rarely happens. Uh, a scone. A scone. There's some sort of syrupy stuff with it, or there is a strawberry jam. Strawberry jam. Okay, that looks nice. I think I might have finished our list. I named about twenty people while you were gone. So. Perfect, then we're done. All right, perfect. Yeah, we're not doing eliminations. Sorry, Glenn. <laughs> um, I'll take one more pick. Do you consider they live to be Yes, a, uh, absolutely. Then I will be taking John Nada. Yeah, okay. Roddy, Roddy Piper's character from They yeah. Live. And Keith David's in that film, right? He is. I would take Keith David from that film also. That would be a good He's a good pair. actor. Yeah. He's just like every time you see him in a movie. Oh, yeah. And he was in, uh, he was a voice in Gargoyles, too. And he was in The Thing, another John Carpenter movie. So, yeah. Yeah, some good stuff right. there. If you consider Pitch Black a horror movie, I'd take Riddick in the lower round, too. But eh. I don't know if that counts. It, it does. It does. So, 
Thank you to Glenn and Che and Mrs. Manson and Simon. And thank you to Mrs. Matthews for this delicious scone. Delicious. I could hear her puttering around out there. <laughs> uh, Doc Manson, as always, I turn to you and say, <laughs> every, you look pained every single time. No, no, I got one this week. I got one. What's your piece of positivity? My piece of positivity this week is Ghostbusters Afterlife, the film, movie film, that is now available really? on the streamings. Videos on demands. Yeah, I watched it. I liked it. What do you think? It was fun. It's a very, it, um, it's a very different film from the original films. Again, you know, like I think, I think with the 2016 Ghostbusters, you know, I said it, it's a comedy, so like that had that in common with the earlier films. But it was a very different world. Like I think the comedy from the original films came from the fact that it was sort of a a reverse fish out of water scenario where you had these guys who were sort of wacky and crazy and the world itself was normal sort of and serious. And then the reason why I didn't think 2016 worked as well is because the world was just as crazy as the characters, right? There was no juxtaposition there um, to make that scenario work. I thought, although again, overall I thought 2016 was fine. I didn't hate it as much as a lot of people did. I thought it was okay. I was like, I think as I said at the time, I was just ready for more Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Um, and so this film is really barely a comedy, I would say. It's, there's moments, you know, but it's really more a, a Stranger Things inspired uh, nostalgia fest, I would say. And, you know, it hits on those very well in terms of bringing back the things that I remember from those films, the equipment and the characters and, you know, stringing you along from beat to beat and making you feel love and remember why you loved those films. And at the same time, I think a good majority of the film works very well on its own. I liked Paul Rudd. I liked uh, his character. I thought the little girl who, who plays, um, the main character, basically, of the film. Mm -hmm. She does a fantastic job. Great performance. She's got a lot of ticks um, that, you know, are very reminiscent of uh, the character from whom uh, she is descended. And I <sighs> overall, I enjoyed it. It was a feel-good sort of, again, nostalgia film. There's some comedic moments. Finn Wolfhard, whatever his name is, yeah, has that's his literal. That's his name. Nothing. Finn Wolf Hard has nothing to do in the film. He probably shouldn't even be in the film. He's barely a character, um, but whatever. And um, you know, I, I really do think that most of the film works. It was most of it was very enjoyable. There were some things that were not great, but you know. Um, so, for example, I'd say like the first three quarters of the film are pretty good, and then there's just this, and they 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 showed a lot of this in promotional material before the film came out. Um, but like three quarters of the way through the film, like the film just like cuts to an exterior shot and it's a Walmart and it just hangs on the exterior of the Walmart for too long. And like suddenly you are transported into a Walmart commercial for the next 10 minutes. Like you go into the store and it's the cleanest, most brightly lit Walmart you have ever, ever seen in your life. Paul Rudd is walking down the aisle. He goes to get some ice cream. He stops in front of the, the, the freezer cabinets and it's the most perfectly stocked shelves of Baskin <laughs> Robbins that 
you could possibly imagine. Perfectly aligned, all the product, perfectly facing the doors. There are no other people in this Walmart. It's literally only Paul Rudd. It just, it feels like such a, a sterile, obvious, like, commercial product placement thing. Like, watching this movie 20 years from now, you're going to watch this scene and just be like, what the fuck? Like, it's completely out of place in the movie, like 100%. Um, it's like it's like that they had shot a different scene uh, to get to where that character needs to go. And like, they probably shot that. And then they, the, the producers came by and say, Hey, we got this great marketing opportunity. Walmart wants to sponsor the film. Let's reshoot that, that, that critical story beat uh, in a Walmart. Let's just do it in a Walmart. And that's what they did apparently. And like, that just sticks out like a sore thumb. It's really, really sad. Mm -hmm. Sony pictures does that. in a lot of their films, they have really bad product placement. And like this is one of the absolute worst examples of it I have ever seen. Um, so that that whole scene gets its own special place in the annals of history, probably as truly atrocious uh, product placement. Um, so there's that. And then the other things that I sort of this is just nitpicky because I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan. But like, you know, towards the climax of the film. um, I don't think this is much of a spoil. If you really don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead two minutes, I guess. Right. But like towards the climax of the film, it turns out the big bad of the film is Gozer again. Right. And not only that, but then the Ghostbusters, the, the, th the three remaining fellows show up to help save the day. You know what I mean? And they show yep. up with the equipment and they they zap her with the proton beams and all that. And like the first thing that they do immediately to try to capture Gozer is they cross the streams. And that is just such a huge no-no to me because like in the original film, the whole reason Egon tells them, warns them very early in the film not to cross the streams. Why? Uh, because of the possibility of total protonic reversal. Imagine every atom in your body coming to a halt and reversing direction simultaneously, kablooey, uh, would be very, very bad, right? So in that film, in the original film, Gozer comes through this gateway, right? There's very, they're on the top of the, the, the building in New York. There's this gateway with doors that swing open and that she comes out of. And that, and that is to symbolize like this gateway to this other dimension, right? And so in the climax of that film, the, that they decide to do is this is the apocalypse. We're probably fucked anyways. Let's cross the streams, right? And the whole point here is if they cross the streams and they do cause a total protonic reversal, they're going to completely change the polarity of what's happening at that doorway to the other dimension. If they can reverse that, swing the doors the other way, they're going to send Gozer back to the dimension from which they came from. And that's yeah. pretty much exactly what they do in the climax of the first film, right? So the crossing the streams is monumentally bad, but it works out because there's this gaping hole into another dimension that they're trying to close. That is not 
the situation in this film. There, and again, this is, film is very heavy on the nostalgia, right? It's, oh, there's the PKA meter. Ah, oh, there's the trap. Ah, there's Ecto-1. So like they just keep hitting on these things from the first film as if to go, I remember that. I remember that. I remember they crossed the streams. And as a super fan, which I think I, I probably am, again, so most people wouldn't pick up, most people wouldn't care, their decision to cross the streams almost immediately and having no the deleterious consequences in a situation that does not call for it was unfortunate to me, especially given that was towards the climax of the film. It just was very out of place. And clearly whoever wrote that scene doesn't understand what they were writing. And that, that makes me a little bit peeved. Um, Another part of it is, um, at one point, they, they make the proton packs just an all-purpose weapon, right? They're particle accelerators is what they are, very specifically uh, proton streams, right? In this film, there there's this part, I won't be too specific, they have to power this device, right? Um, that's going to help them stop the bad guy. And so the electricity goes out. And again, this is sort of in the climax. One of the characters uses the proton beam to hit this electrical thing. It energizes it with electricity and they're able to use the device they need to use. I don't know if you know this, DC, but protons, uh, which are what the proton pack uh, throws and electricity, which is electrons, are not the same thing. And that wouldn't work at all. Again, speaking as a scientist am, and a super fan, I am not by any stretch a scientist, and I did know that. Yeah. So again, certain things in there made me. It's sort of like with Star Wars, how it's in the old Star Wars, the lightsaber was a tool that the characters used in very specific situations. But in the newer ones, like you can't have a Jedi on the screen without the lightsaber being there to serve every possible purpose. You know what I mean? It has sure. to be, a, it has the to Swiss be, a, Army knife. yes, it has to be a Swiss army knife. And that's what they did to the proton packs in this film, which I didn't like. Um, the technology yeah. no longer has its purpose that it's very much fulfilled in the older films. It's an all purpose technology, which to yeah. me is just a dumbing down. That's unnecessary. And I don't like when, properties do that so I, I didn't like that either um i would like to remind everyone this is doc's piece of positivity hey i liked the film i really enjoyed it i would watch it again um small nitpicks as again a super fan and things like that yeah. but overall i think they did a lot of good stuff here it was enjoyable i enjoyed returning to that universe although again there were certain again story choices i didn't like at all um yeah, I know. Sorry. This makes me some positivity. But like they. um, No, that's fine. Only you would enjoy the movie. Well, so here's the thing. And they have, talk about and have they talk scribbles. about how back in the 80s, there was this rash of ghost sightings in New York and then it stopped. And one of the characters literally says there hasn't been a ghost sighting in 30 years. And so what they do is basically what they're saying is. um, All of the ghost activity in the old Ghostbusters film was because of basically because of Gozer coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I don't like that. I don't like the fact that this is a world where there actually aren't any ghosts and there hasn't been any ghosts for the last 30 years. And all the ghost activity in this world is simply because of Gozer. And like, I, I really would have preferred in this film if they had come up with a new villain altogether. But sure. like, I just think that's really again, like, and what about Ghostbusters too? Like, 
Ghostbusters 2 was five years later and there was ghosts in Ghostbusters 2 and that had nothing to do with Gozer. So like, again, it just, it just, it just, it just speaks to whoever wrote this film, whoever gave it that final pass and signed off on it just didn't really understand or appreciate the older films. Cause there's just a couple of weird missteps like that. These movies are clearly not written by <clears throat> super fans. And while fan service is obviously the name of the game, there's the proton pack, there's Ecto one. There's all. And that's that. the thing that bothers me about it is how hard would it be to get somebody who really does love these films to give it a last polish pass to get these that's details not- right. That's not that's not the point. I know what they do. They find a writer who can. you know. And, and then, like the other thing is like, you know, when this little girl finally figures out what's going on and figures out who her grandfather was, you know, she makes a phone call. And on the other end of the line, Ray Stance picks up and he, he just dumps exposition in a scene, which is not a great way of doing it. But so that was a little bit of a nitpick there. But the other thing I don't like about that is basically he says, ah, uh, Egon Spengler can can uh, rot in hell. Um, because apparently they've had a falling out, right? And so once again, like it's 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 sort of like what I was talking about with Halloween Kills. When you start filling in information about characters I didn't need to know and maybe didn't want to know, um, mm-hmm. I like to have in my mind this vision that these guys have been friends and together, busting ghosts for the last thirty years, having adventures that I'm not privy to, perhaps. But I like to believe that they were going on in that world doing that thing, not that off camera. They immediately had some sort of falling out, haven't been friends in two decades, have not interacted with each other whatsoever. Like, you know, again, stuff like that sort of actively ruins the property for me because it fills in holes in ways that don't need to be filled in and actively make it worse, in my opinion. So, like, there again, a lot of missteps like that. But overall, I was glad to be back in the universe. I did enjoy it. I would watch another one, you know, but uh, uh, I think about these things too critically, clearly, but I, you've seen me moving my lips and I apologize. I haven't been impatient. I've been trying to get this new word in my head. Deleterious. Deleterious. <laughs> Cause you, since you mentioned that word, I was like, that's not a word he was trying. So I looked it up and went, Oh, deleterious adjective causing harm or damage. That's a new word. I should try to incorporate that into uh, into my daily parlance. It's a science word. And so that's the other it, thing with Ghostbusters, too. Um, again, very fan servicey here. But um, I will. One, I think 100% the reason why I am a scientist today is because of Ghostbusters. My love of Ghostbusters growing up and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Like, I, I do think that's why I am the person that I am today. And, you know, so I have a deep, deep love. It's ingrained into my very being. And so overall, to say that I liked it, that I enjoyed it, I think says a lot. You know, so I I really did enjoy uh, being able to watch Ghostbusters Afterlife, my piece of positivity. Now, 80,000 minutes later, DC, what is your piece of positivity? Uh, Well, my piece of positivity are are the besties. Um, I don't often share a huge amount of my personal life that is by design um durango canyon matthews has a very public persona in terms of what he watches and what he thinks about what he watches and but um i do not and so when you know my my aunt entered the hospital uh 
I decided to let the besties know. I let you know and let the besties know. Um, and the support that I have gotten, I've gotten separate DMs from Brandon Mack and Brandon Banks and Jeremy and lots of people being supportive in the bestie chat. Uh, and that is nice. You know, my aunt and I were not particularly close uh, in my adult life, but we were very close when I was a kid. Um, and so just, you know, it's been a very weird emotional week. And so uh, the support that I've gotten from the besties and from Doc Manson and Mrs. Manson uh, has been excellent. So I am very grateful to you. As I think we said in episode 300, um, you know, with with the sort of family that we have with the besties, uh, we make the good times better to celebrate and the bad times easier to bear. And so I am grateful to them uh, for all of that. So that is that is where I'm that's kind of where I'm coming from uh, right now. So that's where we are at. Go check out Ghostbusters Afterlife. And see if you find the same nits to pick as our esteemed Doc Manson. Go watch the Eternals. Nah. I mean, not a bad tour. Not a bad. <laughs> there are better ways to spend a, two hours. There are, I suppose, plenty of Markiplier videos to watch. Uh, Doc Manson. Anything else you would like to say before we head out into that good night? If you'd like to have your thoughts read on the air, send us an email. Podcast at ddtwrestling.com. You can listen to our entire back catalog of 302 episodes by going to your podcast repository of choice and searching for the show title, DDT Wrestling. And finally, if you like what you've heard, and how could you? Head on over to patreon.com forward slash DDT Wrestling to give just a little bit of financial support to DC and Doc. It helps us keep the lights on and it keeps this podcast train a chug a lug a lug a lug He is Doc Manson. My name at Doc Manson. My name is Durango Canyon Matthews at <laughs> the DC Matthews. Thank you for joining us here on episode 302. Three, two. 303, the weight Hulk Hogan was always billed at. Until we meet again, my friends, won't you be our bestie?